last several weeks of Advent, uh, we are, as uh, David was sharing, seeking to, to connect uh, with God. And, and today, we'll see how it is, as uh, David just shared, God's humility, uh, really, that al- allows us to, to connect with him. But over the course of the last four weeks, we've, we've looked at how um, Jesus uh, shows us the way to connect with God. He gives us a better understanding of time, gives us better words to, 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 to hear, to live by, and to say, and, and even leads us, as we heard last week, into better ways of work gives us the tests and the text and the task to accomplish. Um, uh, We uh, do have uh, um, today then a a better gift, a better gift uh, from um, God. And Jesus shows us in his gift how we connect with God, how, how as we connect with him that leads us to a better life. To a full life, uh, to, to ultimately a joyful celebration with God now and forever. Um, he, he is the gift himself, as we'll see in our passage in Paul's letter to the Philippians, that Jesus shows us the path to a better life through him, a life connected with God now and forever. Now, the, the biblical words that we'll look at um, that demonstrate, that, that highlight, give us the sort of the signs along that path are humility, obedience, death, and exaltation. Obe- humility, obedience, death, and exaltation. Now, some of those words may not mean a lot to you right now, um, uh, but, and, uh, but hang with me as we walk through this, give you a couple stories and some real focus from the, the Scripture on this path uh, that truly is the best gift, the path of humility, obedience, death, and exaltation. Um, now, we'll be looking at Philippians, uh, Paul's letter to the church in, in Philippi. It's uh, chapter 2, uh, starting with verse 1 through uh, verse 11. So I invite you um, uh, to, to hear God's word um, and then seek his spirit to apply it in our lives together. And as we go through, I'll highlight particularly where we see this path of humility, obedience, death, and exaltation. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do thank you for your word, and we ask that you would speak to us of your truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And you you heard there in verse 8 that the the real focus of the, the passage, that Jesus being found in human form humbled himself, By becoming obedient to the point of death. And therefore, God has highly exalted him. This is the better gift. This is the gift of Jesus as he follows this path and demonstrates this path for you and me. Now, a couple stories, just a couple. Um, for some of you, they're, they're familiar stories. For others, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's the first time that you have heard them. But I think they illustrate this path. They, they demonstrate how certain Jesus followers in our history have, have followed this path of humility and obedience, death and exaltation. Um, uh, one is a, a story that uh, happened, both, both these stories actually are in the, the, the 50s, and this was some um, folks, uh, Christians from the, the states that were going uh, as admission workers, uh, and five families actually that were committed to a tribe of people in the Ecuadorian mountains, the, the Wadani um, people. They were led by Nate Saint and his sister Rachel and then also Elizabeth and Jim Elliott and the other three families that uh, were committed to the Wadani people. Eventually, all five families moved to, to Ecuador. They, they studied the culture and the language of this tribe. They tried to understand them. They, they met some people that were from the tribe that had left the, the, the remote mountain region and were living in villages or cities around them. And they, they learned from them the cultures and the habits and the, the practices of that land because what they, they were entering into this relationship in humility. They wanted to honor the culture of the Wadani people. They didn't want to carry out, they didn't want to fall into the trap of some other older missionary practices that didn't enter into this relationship in humility. Because I I believe the definition of humility that we see here for us is one that says that you and I are radically equal. That every human being radically equal with one another, created in the image of God, of inestimable value because of the love of God who created us in his image. We are neither better nor worse than anyone. That's what humility is. That we have that right understanding of ourself under God and our right understanding of our relationship with one another. And so that's what uh, the, these families were, were seeking to do. So they entered into this in humility. They didn't, didn't want to fall into the, the, the trap of colonizing them instead of evangelizing them. They, they didn't want to bring anything else but Jesus to them. So they were committed uh, to that that way. Then they were obedient because they heard God's general call from his word to, to take the good news of Jesus, make disciples of all nations. To to take the good news across the the world. They they were obedient to that. And those five families also heard the specific call upon themselves. To go to this particular tribe in this remote area of Ecuador. And they were 
ready to die for that call. Uh, you know, as, as David was describing, it's first a sort of a, a death, that picture of death, of death to self. You know, that, that, that means there's going to be sacrifice or, or suffering. There, there's going to be pain. That, there, in, that we have to give up our dreams for God's dreams or, or align our dreams with God's dreams. You know, there's that sense of death that's more metaphorical as, as we take ourselves off the throne of our lives and put Jesus on the throne. I think it's what Jesus meant when he said, if you want to follow me, you have to take, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. And they, and they did literally, I mean, they moved to Ecuador. The, their whole family spent the years there preparing and, and training, took um, uh, a lot of time to engage with the Wadani people. They, they would actually fly by and drop them gifts. Uh, they would land and just wave to them to show they were friendly. And then one day in January 1956, the five men decided it was time to have a, a longer face-to-face engagement. So they, they flew up into the mountains, landed, got out of the, the plane to wait and see if they could interact with some Wadani people. And um, little did they know they were engaging with them at a terrible time. The, some of the tribes were really warring with one another. There were family squabbles that were going on. And they entered into right in the middle of that. And within three hours of their arrival, all five of them were speared to death. So for them, literal humility, obedience, and then death. But the story doesn't end there. Uh, in time, um, Rachel, uh, Nate's sister, and Elizabeth, Jim's wife, they went to visit the Wadani. They wanted to continue because there was a call. There was an obedience to, to the call, even in the midst of such pain and loss. And um, There's a whole lot more to this story. There's a great movie documentary called End of the Spear. You, you can just Google um, uh, uh, Nate Saint and you'll or Jim Elliott and uh, you'll find those movies and documentaries that tell a whole lot more. But Rachel moved there and I don't know that she ever came back to the States. I think she lived there for over 20 years. And uh, Elizabeth uh, was there and then others would come and they shared the good news of Jesus. And today, in exaltation, the church and among the Wadani people is flourishing. Uh, it's not perfect. <laughs> We're not in heaven yet. No, nobody's in heaven yet. It's not, not perfect, but it's flourishing. They're, they're seeing as a, a community what happens when Christ becomes Lord and you flourish in life. And it's, it's still, according to Wadani way of life too, the Wadani elders still rule the village. Uh, they, um, uh, they do have some modern medicines and tools, but only if the elders allow them to come or have pursued them. They have relationships now with the oil companies that were encroaching upon them and other businesses and timber companies. They have relationships now with those companies, but they are sovereign over their land. And they are flourishing in Christ as Wadani people. Today, 64 years later, since his grandfather was speared, Jamie Saint, Nate Saint's grandson, still works with the Wadani people in a mission group. And they travel the world telling other mission groups, telling the church how you honor other cultures 
How you evangelize them and not colonize them. How you pursue the way of Jesus with them on this path of humility, obedience, death, and exaltation. Joyous celebration. Flourishing where Christ, flourishing of life where Christ is Lord. Now, one, one other story that came to mind, it really is a, a celebration today. Uh, of, of today, a joyous celebration, an exaltation today because it was, today is the 64th anniversary. December 20th, um, 1956 was the last day, the end day of the Montgomery, Alabama bus boycott. It was December 5th, 1955 that, um, or actually four days before that, December 1st, that Rosa Parks, the seamstress from Montgomery, who refused to stand up and obey the law. She refused because she was black. Um, she had, she, the law said she needed to get up when a white man got on the bus. And she refused. She refused to do that. And then four days later, um, Mar- Reverend Martin Luther King and a variety of other pastors in the area formed the Montgomery Improvement Association and started a bus boycott. Now, again, they were entering into this out of humility. They had a right view of themselves and others. And they knew that they were equal to others. So they were there to say, in all humility, we are all equal. All of us have a right to this seat. They were obedient because they knew it was God's justice they were pursuing. God's the one that had laid this on this heart and was leading them on this journey. And you know, the bus boycott lasted 383 days. Now, we have a little bit of sense we can understand that. I mean, th- think, think they, there were 40,000 African-American bus riders in Montgomery. 40,000 workers that took about 75% of the ridership. And, and, and they, then in their humility and obedience and then death, their sacrifice, their, their suffering, they said, we're not taking the bus. Taxi, some taxi cab drivers that were allies said, we'll lower our fare to be equal to the bus fare. Uh, the other folks that own cars said, oh, we'll, we'll carpool, we'll, we'll drive around. And others said, we just got to walk. And they did that for 383 days. Now we have a sit, you know, we're sitting here wearing masks and it's not something we're excited about, but we haven't been doing it for 383 days. But you can, you imagine what it took for that kind of organization. That kind of unity in that day. But they're, they're on the path of humility, obedience, and then death. This suffering and sacrifice for them. And of course, eventually it did lead to death for, uh, for some. But today we can stand in joyful exaltation of that day. Because it was on this day in 1956 that the Supreme Court ruled... That those laws that said certain people had more right to seats than others were unconstitutional. And so it's a joyful celebration. We can, that we, that was a step towards flourishing under Jesus Christ. And again, shows us the pathway of humility, obedience, death, and exaltation. Now, I propose to you that, that the folks like the Elliots and, and the Saints and, and Miss Parks and, and Reverend King and so many others, they knew this pathway. They may not have said it in those ways, but they knew it. They knew it because they knew Jesus. 
And they knew that's how Jesus lived for them. And they were following him. I mean, this is the story of Christmas. That Paul outlines in his letter to the church in Philippi. It's a story that's even more familiar than the story of the Wadani tribe or the Montgomery bus boycott. And it's the story of Christmas that demonstrates this astounding truth of the very character of God, the nature of Jesus, the way of Jesus. It is amazing to consider that God is humble. That the creator of the universe, the one who created life by his breath, the one who is love, the one who is not bound by space or time, is humble. The one who is righteousness, the one who is justice, the one who is wisdom. We're told, humbled himself. That God, the Son, shows that he has a right view of himself. He does not count equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held on to, something to be kept or used or leveraged for his own self-promotion or self-protection. But he empties himself in humility. That's the character of Jesus. That that is the, the nature of God. And that humility leads him ultimately to obedience. That God the Son obeys the direction of God the Father. And that obedience leads to sacrifice, to suffering, and ultimately literal death. That the God in his humility and obedience enters into the deepest evil of human experience and pain. Innocent suffering at the hands of the one he loved. Innocent suffering at the hands of the ones he created. Even his best friends, his closest confidants deserted him, betrayed him. Turned him over to those that then murdered him by hanging him, humiliating him on the cross with nails in his hands and his feet and a spear in his side. I know that that picture is not quite the the hallmark picture of Christmas, but, but Christmas is beyond hallmark. The manger leads to the cross. And it demonstrates that astounding reality of the humility of God. And that God the Son entered into the pain of this world and experienced it all. No matter what pain, whatever grief and loss and struggle you are facing today. Jesus has been there. He can relate. He is there. He is there with you and for you even now. Leading you on this pathway of humility, obedience, death and exaltation. He wants to draw you into the joyful exaltation. The joyful celebration of life with Him as Lord. 
Cry out to him wherever you are. Ask for his help. Jesus is not too busy. He's not too important. Matter of fact, you are what's important to him. You are his purpose. That's the reason that he came to save the world. He's been there. He is there now and can lead you out. You are not alone. This is the better gift and the path to better life in Him. The way of humility, obedience, death in Christ that leads to exaltation with Him. That joyful celebration. The flourishing of life when Christ is Lord. For all of us, Jesus is the better gift. The better gift that leads to better life. He didn't come just to rescue you. He came to change you. He didn't come just for our salvation. He came for our transformation. To live life with God. To connect with God now and forever. And that's the the point at the very beginning of the passage. You know, When Paul is is talking to the church in Philippi. Hey, is there anything that you gain as you look at Jesus? uh, His love, the, the fellowship of the Spirit. What do you get from that? What do you gain from there? Well... Celebrate that and join together. Have that mind of Christ among yourselves, individually and together. Y'all, together, have that mind of Christ. Have that same attitude. We are in this together. This journey that Jesus took, that Jesus leads us to humility, obedience, death, and exaltation. It's the very character of Jesus the nature of God to be humble to obey to be filled with sacrificial love and joy he leads us in this flourishing of life now on your uh, way out today it's it's been our practice uh, this, uh, this season Advent season you have a little Advent activity, a spiritual activity. We've, we've had a, um, slowing, we've had devotional reading, um, we've had fasting. And now this week, it's how do we take this humility of God, this way of Jesus who did not count equality with God as something to be held on to, but released self-protection, released self-promotion, and emptied himself um, in a simple way. Just a simple way that this week our activity is to bless others. To, just to to give blessings to others, not to see how do we receive others, as David said, not how we receive blessings, but how do we give blessings? And, and by that, it's, it's even really it's simple. Just to bless and encourage others is to speak well of them. To speak well of them, inspiring them with God's hope, God's confidence, God's delight in them. In their belovedness. That they are the beloved of God. And there's a few activities in there just to uh, give you some ideas of how simply to bless others. Whether you do it silently or whether you do it with um, uh, in a, a way that folks um, know it or you do it anonymously. Uh, you'll, you'll get this on the way out. And so I invite you uh, to take that and make that your habit um, this, this week. A way of connecting with God, uh, following after Jesus. Uh, Another um, today 